Greetings, everyone. My name is Julie Masters, and welcome to another episode of Inside Influence, in which I delve into the minds of some of the world's most fascinating influencers or experts in influence to get to the bottom of what it really takes to own your voice and then amplify it to drive an industry, a conversation, a movement, or a nation. Now, today we bring you yet one more of our series of mini power episodes. Now, why are we bringing you power episodes? It's because the Inside Influence team at this moment in time are taking a little bit of a break to refresh, re-energize, create some intentional space within which we can create what we already have planned as an epic lineup for 2021. So what we did was we sat down and we each went away and picked our favorite guest and our favorite episode over the past three years. And we brought them back and we listened to them and we decided to pull out the number one tool, strategy or insight from that episode that we think is going to be the most relevant going into 2021. So what we're left with is five or six mini 15 minute episodes, each one just packed with one thing, one thing that you can master that's going to take you to the next level over the next 12 months. Now, in today's episode, we bring you Valerie Young. Now, Valerie has spoken at some of the world's largest and most diverse organizations, organizations such as Apple, Chrysler, Boeing, Microsoft, IBM, Facebook, BP, Google. I mean, I can just see this list keeping going. I'm going to skip to the end, as well as universities, including Stanford, Harvard, Princeton, MIT, and Oxford. She is a world-renowned expert in imposter syndrome. So what is imposter syndrome? Let's just start there. If you look at any place in your life or business right now, where you currently feel like you're playing small, I'm going to guess that there's a story in there somewhere just beneath the surface that's keeping you stuck. Now that story, the one, you know, the one that recites itself over and over and over again in your head is the voice of imposter syndrome. And what you're going to hear right now is Valerie jumping straight into how you rewrite the script on imposter syndrome, including how to avoid feeling like an imposter. How to talk yourself down in those moments, because let's get real about this. We all have those moments. And no matter how educated, evolved, conscious, considered you are as a leader or a human being, if you continually try and push past the limits of what you know you can do, you're going to hit those moments over and over again. You're going to hear that voice over and over again. So it's how we handle ourselves in those moments where it arises that's the differentiator. And finally, the difference between making a mistake and spiraling into shame, which we have all done. So I'm going to leave you in her very capable hands. Sit back, pour yourself a glass of wine and enjoy the brilliance of the incredible Valerie Young. I think the big difference, uh, Julia, is that in the exact same situation that might trigger an imposter, you know, response in, in, in you or me, they are just thinking different thoughts, you know, w- which is good news because it means we just have to learn to think like them. And, and it's not just kind of motivational, you know, happy talk. It's not you've got this and you can do it. And that's only going to get you so far. People who don't feel like imposters, and I'm referring to people here who are humble, but genuinely have never had these feelings. I'm not talking about the narcissistic smartest guy in the room who doesn't know what they don't know, but 
the, the, the humble person who does not feel like imposter, they think differently about competence. They think differently about failure, mistakes, and criticism, and they think differently about fear. And if we can reframe that conversation in our head to learn to think like them, you know, my mantra is that, you know, feelings are the last to change. The only way to stop feeling like an imposter is to stop thinking like an imposter. I love, I love the concept of reframe because, you know, it's not about not feeling this way. Because as you said, you know, our bodies react to stimulus. They react to fear in some ways, in many, exactly the same way that they react to excitement. Absolutely. So it's not about not feeling it. It's not about not thinking it. It's about having some tools to reframe it in the moment. So yeah, and to talk yourself down faster. What is a reframe? Can you just give us, give an example yeah, of a reframe? Let's say you're, you're, you've got this big uh, client or a new, a new project or a new assignment or a promotion. You know, the, the imposter might think, um, oh, my God, I have no idea what I'm doing. The non-imposter thinks, wow, I've never done this before, but I could probably figure it out. Or I've never done this before, so therefore I'm really going to learn a lot. It's a difference between a student who steps onto a very prestigious university campus and, and says, oh, my God, everyone here is brilliant, or walks into a conference, right, and says, everyone here is brilliant, and they're dreading that, versus the person who walks in and goes, wow, everyone here is brilliant. I am going to learn so much. What's your, what's your favorite reframe of all time? <laughs> well, I often quote, there's a, a, a historical figure, uh, American historical figure, Daniel Boone, who was a wilderness explorer. And he said, I was never lost, but I was bewildered once for three days. Uh, but my favorite reframe that I recommended to somebody, there was a woman who was asked to make a presentation at the very last minute. The person who was supposed to do it, you know, couldn't do it. They threw her into the situation. She quickly, you know, put it, got it together, did the presentation. Everyone said she knocked it out of the park, that it was outstanding. But she said all she could think to herself was, oh, man, that was just a bunch of BS that I threw together at the last minute. And I said, no, the reframe here is, wow, how good am I <laughs> that I can pull together information at the 11th hour that other people genuinely found useful? Is there, is there a reframe that you're using a lot at the moment? You know, I, I'm not doing a whole lot of reframing at the moment. I mean, <laughs> I think I've been doing this for, I, let, me, let me be clear. If Oprah called me tomorrow, right, I would have an imposter moment. I more try to model. I was on stage a couple weeks ago in Orlando. It was the Academy of Healthcare Executives, like 300 people conference. And I, I got a scratchy throat and I was kind of coughing in the middle of my presentation. I had to excuse myself and go get some water. So I turned back to the audience and I said, how many of you would be mortified right now if this was you? And suddenly you're coughing in the middle of your presentation. How many of you be mortified? And a lot of people raise their hand. I said, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> and the reason I don't care anymore is that, is that no one stormed out of the room. No one said, I can't believe the speaker is coughing, right? I mean, I, I think the older I get, the more I put these things into perspective. Uh, I've, I've been using... Um, a story a lot in my talks, and it comes from Betty Rollins. She was an NBC, uh, it's, it's a U.S. Uh, network, a television network, NBC News correspondent, and she wrote a column in the New York Times probably in the early 80s, and it was called Chronic Self-Doubt, Why Does It Afflict So Many Women? And I'm just going to really paraphrase because a few more pieces to it. But basically, she talked about having that, I'm in over my head, and they're going to find out 
you know, feeling her whole professional career. And she wondered if other people felt the same way. So she went to a producer who she said, by the way, was as competent as he thought he was. And she said, when you're working on a story, do you ever worry that it's not going to work out? And he was like, you know, sometimes, you know. And she said, well, you know, like if, if it uh, if it didn't work out, would you blame yourself? And he's like, no, you know, sounding very sure. And she said, well, if it was your fault, would you feel badly about it? And he said, nah. <laughs> and and she, she said, I looked at him and said, why not? And he said, aren't I entitled to make a mistake once in a while? And I remember reading that line over and over and over because, frankly, that was new information to me. I think it's new information to anyone who feels imposter syndrome. Um, and, and, and when you think about it, if you knew you're entitled to have an off day, which we all are, to make a mistake once in a while, not constantly. If you're constantly making a mistake, you're in the wrong occupation, you know, but once in a while or to not know the answer or to struggle to understand or master something or ask for help, there will be absolutely nothing to feel like an imposter about. So non-impostors are able to shake it off more quickly and say, you know, let me be clear, they could be crushingly disappointed but they're not ashamed. And that's the key difference. If they gave it their best shot, then they're not ashamed. It's like sports, right? Somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. And they, you know, they I'll get some more training, I'll get some more coaching, I'll practice and we'll get them next time. But imposters feel shame no matter how much effort they gave it, because they feel like they should always excel. One of the best lines, one of the best lines I ever heard on that was I interviewed Mark Shulman, who's Pink's drummer. So he travels around the world drumming for Pink in her concerts in front of hundreds of thousands of people. And his biggest fear is there's a few solos that he has to do. It's a close-up on him. Pink's literally stood in front of him singing to him. And his biggest fear is he's going to drop the stick. He's going to get halfway through that. He's going to drop the stick on the floor. The whole song is going to stop halfway through. And he developed this mantra that he had for himself, which was, am I free to fail? And he, and he would say that to himself before he got on the stage. Do you know what? Am I free to fail here? Do I have all the freedoms in the world to get this wrong? And ever since I've heard that, I've used it, and I've used it so many times, going into situations, presentations, um, moments in time where that feeling, that fear of failure is high. And that am I free to fail? I don't know. It somehow just calms the nervous system. Of course I am. Of course I'm free to fail, just like anybody else. And... It's that developing a new response to failure. Yes. That, that, that makes a massive difference. And I think the more you can do that, almost, like, almost the less fear you feel. I had to do a presentation recently, and it was on a topic that was very personal to me. It was on a, um, a topic of, of IVF, which is something I had never spoken about publicly before. And I had to get on stage and do this 20-minute presentation on my experiences with it. And someone said, are you terrified? And I said, yeah, I kind of am. And I'm also kind of not, you know, if I, if I fall on my face, I've fallen on my face so many times before that I've kind of, I'm all right with it. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm kind of all right with it. And the more you give yourself permission to fail, I feel like the, the more the fear almost goes down. Absolutely. You know, because otherwise it, it's almost like we're expecting ourselves to have an Academy Award winning performance every time we step out the door. And that's just not realistic. You know, again, we're going to have good days and bad and, you know, enjoy the enjoy the when it goes really well and forgive yourself when you have an off day or or, you know, it's not always you. I know I've given the same talk literally 
tens of thousands of times. And, and there could be one audience that is just totally into it, engaged, and you know, right there. And another audience that's just sitting there looking at me blankly, you know, and I want to say, are you kidding me? That joke killed at the University of Iowa. You know, it's like nothing. And I finally realized it's not always me. You know, there's all kinds of other external things going on. So let's talk about the reframe. Let's talk about the reframe as an art form. You know, an art form that we can practice, we can get better at. What, walk me through specifically what happens. So if something comes up in my brain, I decide I need to reframe it. What do I do? Well, you want to become aware of, again, what is the conversation that's happening in your head? And then I, you know, one thing is to think, imagine calling in the script writers. You know, if you could call in someone to play the part of you and redo that, you know, whatever that situation was that's prompted those feelings. Uh, and you might try imagining someone who you, who you see as being, you know, very competent, very confident, you know, and how might they, what might they be thinking in the same situation? And what might they be feeling? And, and what might they do? And then just step back and take a moment to, you know, kind of play that in your head a few times. And, and here's the thing is, somebody said to me once in a talk, she said, Valerie, this is great. What if we tell ourselves all these things, but we still don't believe it? And my response was, no, you're not going to believe it. I mean, trust me, you will not believe it, right? You believe the old, unhealthy imposter rule book. But you have to keep telling yourself this because over time you do start to believe it. Over time, you do start to realize, you know, I, we're all entitled to make a mistake. We're all entitled to have an off day or whatever it might be, you know, and I just, you know, and, and over time, it, hopefully the goal is to really, again, it's not about never feeling like an imposter. Again, it's about having the insight and the tools and the information to talk yourself down faster when you're on that ledge. And, but sometimes, you know, I mean, you, you can get really good at it to the point where, let me be clear, if someone criticizes us, even if it's constructive criticism, you know, our first initial response is going to feel, you know, protective and a little defensive. But then you want to immediately shift to, um, you know, seeing that as a gift, for example, to shift to if someone says to you, you did an outstanding job to say, thank you so much. What's one thing I could have done even better to see yourself as this constant kind of work in progress who, you know, is seeking out information to grow and learn and improve. You said something there that I just want to dive into a little bit further. You talked about rewriting the script. The way I've, I've heard about that talked about in different fields is, is almost using alter egos. And I've tried it and I have found it quite successful in the moment where you, you think of somebody you really admire who does what you're about to do really well or holds themselves really well or handles certain situations really well and just try and bring that in almost you know suck the script out of them and bring it into yourself have you found that like almost developing a persona and a Beyonce had Sasha Fierce um, an alternate persona have you found that to be helpful yeah, I certainly think there's some people who that could be very helpful for to, you know, again, imagine whether it's someone who's you know, a historical figure, a contemporary figure who you admire, you know, it might be, you know, for some person, it might be, you know, Michelle Obama, you know, for someone else, it might be, who knows, Bill Gates, or, you know, the head of a country or, and I'm forgetting her name, the wonderful Prime Minister of New Zealand, right? But if you can picture someone who you admire, how they, as you said, how they hold themselves, how they present themselves, and to almost, you know, kind of imitate that in a way, not 
of course, their voice or anything like that, but just to imagine yourself in that role. Research has shown, for example, they took introverts and they had them pretend to be extroverts for, I forget, maybe 10 or 15 minutes. And afterwards, they they asked them a series of questions and they felt you know happier and more elated. So you can kind of pretend to feel more confident than you feel. I don't mean this big kind of faking it kind of way, but I think there are some techniques. And there's a study, and I'm going to say this but I'm going to also tell you that I don't have the information in front of me. So I'm, you know, you don't quote me on it fully, but the essence of it was that they found that when people talk to themselves in the third person, that it helped around confidence and imposter syndrome. Let's talk about reframing the rules. Now, that's another reframe mm-hmm. that, that I think it can be really helpful for people. Walk, walk me through that. What does reframing the rules look like? In in workshops years ago, I used to hand out this list of rights, and these were rights that we're all perfectly entitled to. But you know, we sometimes act as if we're not. And I and I tell people try to avoid intellectualizing and just check off all the ones that you know you sometimes act like you're not entitled to. And those are some of the ones we talked about, like I'm not entitled to make a mistake or be wrong, or you know, work and raise children at the same time, or you know, I don't have the right to be the spokesperson for my entire gender or race or whatever it might be. And so often people just go down and check, 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 check. Uh, and then I you know, invite them to kind of star the one that if they could really turn that around and really believe that, in fact, yes, you do have the right to express your opinion or to not have all the answers or to ask for clarification if you don't understand something, um, you know, which would have the biggest impact on your, you know, your life professionally. And that's where the person needs to spend some focus on. But these are all things that you know, we, again, unconsciously, we behave as if we don't have these rights. And I think if we really can kind of write those rules and realize, yeah, we, you know, have the right to make a mistake, have an off day, not understand. Thanks so much for listening. We really hope you enjoyed this episode and found tons and tons of useful ideas and insights for growing your own influence. Now, For those of you who want to take the next step in your influence journey, you want to take everything you have learned today and just ramp it up a notch, or you just want to learn more about the power of thought leadership when it comes to growing a business, an enterprise, or spreading an idea, there is now also a research paper that you can download from my website, juliemasters.com. Pop in your email address. It is free. We will not spam you, but it is jam-packed full of all the ideas, tools and case studies that I have come across in 10 years of doing this work. It's called the Influencer Code. It's not long, but it is full of value. So download it, keep it, share it, juice it for all it is worth. I hope that it makes a massive difference in your career or business. Thank you always to our producer, co-founder and the main brain, I'm not joking, behind the Inside Influence podcast, Lauren Kelly. In the words of Jerry Maguire, you complete me. And if you did enjoy the show, then we would love you to share this podcast and leave us a review on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, whatever your platform of choice happens to be. And don't forget to subscribe to make sure that you never miss an interview.